Blog Talk Radio. Hey everyone, I'm Christina Metter. This is John Hendrickson, and welcome to Afraid of the Dark, even though we're outside in this beautiful <laughs> setting. And yes, so we decided to have this conversation with you. Can you see, John? There I can see. Um, while enjoying nature, because um, we're going to talk about something that's uh, a little <laughs> intense tonight. Um, did you want to sing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Gonna have to face it, you're addicted to love. We're dating ourselves, man. We're dating ourselves. Back in the 80s, little Robert Palmer got the dancers. There you go. Sorry. So (laughs) we decided um, tonight that we were going to talk about a topic that is a pretty big deal. And I think a lot of people need to have more awareness around it to understand their bonding patterns. (laughs) how we relate in dating and intimacy. And so we're going to set the scene basically of the pattern that we're talking about, right? So when we we talk about love addiction, right, which is what we're sharing tonight, Mm -hmm. the topic of the show, um, it kind of looks like this. So you're dating someone, and feel free to jump in, John, but you're, you're dating someone and it's going great. It's going great. There's intimacy, there's lust, there's connection, there's communication, and then suddenly there's a shift, right? And the shift looks like one of the people in that dynamic pulls away, starts to ice you out, kind of disappears, has, you know, isn't as present as he or she was, because this can be either male or female. Um, And basically, the person on the other end of that starts getting really, really anxious. They're like, oh my God, does this person like me? Do they, are they not into me anymore? Like what's going on? And they start questioning and they get anxious and then they start reaching out more, right? To try to get clarification or to try to quell their angst or whatever's happening inside. And the person on the other end, that's kind of going into more of an avoidant, which we'll get into in a little while, um, attachment style. Um, is basically pulling away and disconnecting. So I don't know if you want to add anything to that. No, I think if everyone that's listening can probably relate to this in some in some way. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a fun topic. Fun topic. <laughs> All these topics are fun, but they're also you know they're scary because we're looking in the mirror and, and facing some true realities of what we've all encountered in our lives. And it's funny because okay, I like to tell a story. And this story is Go actually very time. relevant for the topic okay, tonight. Okay, good. Thank you. And it goes back to when I was 12 years old. Okay. And this is adorable because this, this kind of explains why I'm a little screwed up. But <laughs> I'm 12 years old. I'm having my big birthday party at the swim at the pool, right? So all my friends are coming and my girlfriend, I'm 12 years old and I got a girlfriend. Her of name course. was Julie. Cute. I was, you know, so enamored by her at 12. I mean, you know, at 12 is like, you love a Snickers bar as much as you like your girlfriend. But <laughs> Anyway, what's really cute about it is we had matching powder blue shirts that said, mine said, John loves Julie, and oh hers said, God. Julie loves John. And it's funny because we, we, you know, we picked this topic about love addiction, and I, I just kind of looked back and remember that, and it's like, man, even at 12, I was like setting the table for some really screwed up patterns because even at 12 years old, I... I think I was already developing this hopeless romantic um, psyche in myself. Mm. So I see how it kind of ties into some of the patterns that I've developed over the years, even at that young age. And that just kind of popped in my head. So yeah. that's my story. Well, yeah. Um, in fact, what happens with 
falling into what's called love addiction is that we start to obsess about it, right? We, mm. we stop, what happens is we stop caring about ourselves. We stop managing um, our lives the way that we were doing it. And so much of our thought process, it almost becomes, becomes an obsessive thought process with, is the person, do they want me? Are they going to come for me? Are, you know, do they feel the same way? And you just, it just start it becomes like your, your new way of thinking and can really take you over. Mm -hmm. So the thing with attachment, okay, so when, when we talk about love addiction and bonding styles and how we attach an in intimacy, the thing to note here that's important to realize is it all stems from how we bonded with our parents. <laughs> what? Wait, our parents? Doesn't everything go back to our past? So what the research is saying um, is that the first 18 yeah. months of your life are um, very much indicative of how you're going to bond with yourself and others, right? So if you have parents that aren't present for you, that don't come to soothe you when you're crying or when you're upset, um, that forms you know, either one of two attachment styles um, that forms like an anxious attachment style. It's kind of like, whoa, my needs are not being met. Mm -hmm. And it could also lead to avoid it too, of just having to shut down and just pretend you don't have any needs because there's nobody coming for you. And, you know, I know our parents do the best they can, right? It is so hard to raise children. <laughs> and I tell you, I tip my hat to people that raise children. Um, and it really, really impacts us in how we show up in our adult years um, with dating and doing intimacy. So anyhow, so. Well, there is, there is one more too. I mean, there are actually secure relationships too when it comes to these attachments. So there's not just anxious and avoidant. There can be a secure bond that is met by your parents being there to nurture and soothe you also. And mm -hmm. um, that does happen, even though I think we find that probably happens in rarer occasions than the other two that she just mentioned. Yeah. It's, it's a low percentage. I, I mean, so. I think it's like a 38%. Well, it's funny, you know, I did a little research and they say it's about 55%. And uh, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with it either. <laughs> I really don't. In fact, so. these days when I meet people that were raised by parents who did a good job where they, you know, um, were really there and, and loving and, and all of that, um, I, I almost want to get their autograph because it's just few and far in between. Right. It just really is. Um, I think times are changing um, with uh, the support people feel with raising kids. But anyhow, so back to our topic. Um, so it's the stage is set when you're a kid, right? So start, start thinking about like, how did you bond with your parents, right? Um, were they loving to you? Did they, did they come to you when you were upset? Were they nurturing? I know for me, when I would get upset as a kid, I'd get yelled at. And I'd be told to shut up and go to my room. So there you go. Um, not okay to have emotions. So, um, you know, it was definitely patterns that were set into motion at a really early age. Um, so is there anything else you want yeah, to say? Yeah, I mean, she, she had that. I had kind of, um, I had a, a really good upbringing, but my parents weren't really intimate with me. They didn't ask a lot of intimate questions about how my day was or how I'm feeling, even though they were very, um, they're wonderful caretakers and nurturing in that regard. We just kind of missed the boat a little bit with that. And it's just obviously indicative of how they were brought up because they were doing the best that they can. And it's, it's ironic because I look back now on all of that and 
it does. It really sets the table for some patterns that we do develop because I'm looking at some of my, my past relationships and the patterns that I've gone through and Christina being such a good friend. I mean, we've known each other now for a couple of years, at least a couple of years. And she kind of said, John, it's time for you to actually go talk to somebody because you have a really bad pattern when it comes to your emotional needs being met by whoever you get involved with. Mm -hmm. And you know, I'm just going to, I'll just say it because I, I met the therapist. We, she, I gave her my background, my history, and she related it all back to my upbringing. Could it be real, your childhood? My childhood. I love when people. But it's funny because, you know, I'm listening to her explain this and yeah. I'm like, yeah. I was really having a hard time wrapping myself around it because my parents were there for me. My parents were, were great caregivers. You know, they were, we, we had a great, I had a great upbringing. But I did lack some of that intimate connection, that uh, like emotional that, connection, yeah, yeah. emotional connection that that wasn't quite there. Yeah. And, you know, now that I've been able to sit with this for a while and I really am, I understand it better. It it makes a lot more sense to me and it makes more sense of why I have these patterns when I get myself in a relationship and I feel my needs aren't being met. And we'll jump into that a little bit. Yeah. So so when we go, we're talking about patterns, right? Again, it's like um, start start thinking about which which one you take on, and it can actually be both. Um, so the anxious attachment feels their partner pulling away, which is the avoidance, right? So the avoidance uh, partner is not as vocal, is not as our light is dimming. That's okay. That's okay. Um, is is beginning to pull away, and it's causing the person on the other end to become really anxious. And so then we call that the two step. So then the anxious person starts to reach and, and pursue and the avoidant person's like, what? <laughs> now you're smothering me. Right. Like, and a lot of times, unfortunately, the avoidant person will throw it back in the face of the person that's saying, Hey, like what's going on? I'm feeling a little insecure right now. Um, instead of being able to hold space for that and actually have a conversation and in, an emotionally intelligent conversation. So, <clears throat> And then it can shift, right, to the person that's avoiding is no longer being pursued because mm -hmm. the person pursuing is like, whatever, man, like, I'm overwhelmed. I'm, I'm, I can't do this anymore. And they pull away and they stop. They become avoidant. And then the avoidant becomes anxious. Like, where did he or she go? Why aren't they contacting me? What's going on? And we'll start then turn into the pursuer. So it can really flip back and forth. And the reason we're, we're talking about this is because I think it's extremely relevant and I think everybody's on the spectrum a little bit, oh, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I just think even if we had a somewhat good upbringing, if our self-esteem is low or if we're not in a place in our life where we want to be, we tend to unfortunately look outside of ourselves mm -hmm. to be validated and make ourselves feel better. So depending on where we're at inside of ourselves, our center, we're going to really look to the other to make us feel better or more validated. Right. Totally. I mean, I, I've got a, I've got both characteristics. I think when I was younger, I was more of an avoidant just because I wasn't as in touch with myself emotionally. And now that I've kind of gone through this whole road of discovering who I am and, you know, just being more intimate with me, more mm -hmm. self-aware, um, I'm discovering now I'm becoming more of a anxious type. Hmm. 
God, it sucks to say. <laughs> Hi, I'm John, and I'm Hi. anxious. Hi, I'm John, and I I have anxious attachment. Oh, dear God. <laughs> All no. right, man. It could be so much worse. It could. Luckily, recognizing it is a, is a big piece of the puzzle of, of fixing these patterns and habits that we that we find ourselves in. Yeah, so now let's get into the mindset of, well, I want to get into the mindset of the anxious, the person who's got anxious attachment, what's happening inside, and the person that's the avoidant, right? Mm-hmm. So. So an avoidant person, avoidant attachment person um, in the research, it says they usually have a, a parent or parents that are really kind of overbearing, right? Um, I could think of a few people I know that had really over, like an overbearing mom because the dad was gone all the time. And they are petrified of intimacy. They think they're going to be swallowed up and controlled and um lose their freedom. That's another thing an, an avoidant will say, I'm going to lose my freedom. Um, and I, uh, it, you know, they just, they feel like they can't be themselves, all these different things. And they really want, they really want attachment. That's, that's the conundrum, right? They want the connection. It's so sad because avoidance are, I think they have such good hearts. They're just, they're just really scared. Mm-hmm. And so, Go ahead. Um, so, that's what's going on for the avoidant. Okay. They, they don't want to be engulfed basically mm-hmm. like, you know, the amoeba comes and, you know, um, and then on the anxious attachment side, did you want to add anything? To well, the avoidant? it's interesting because I did a little bit of research and it was from mind body green by Peter Levenheim. And he was saying, interestingly enough, there's a lot of situations and occasions when the avoidant person will be actually the wooer initially in the relationship. Like that. And yep. they'll be in it as hard as maybe you are, mm-hmm. you know, maybe the anxious one or even the secure person. So they'll be in it. They'll be in it. They'll be in it. Then it gets to a point where as that gets deeper intimately, mm-hmm. they slowly start to push away. So it's, it's Good. kind of, it's kind of a scary uh, thought when you think of it that way, because you're going to get pulled in. You think you're in something very intimate and real. And then that person starts to get spooked. And what do they do? They start to slowly push you away. So, I mean, it's natural for anybody if you're in a situation like that when you're pulled in and you're starting to get pulled or pushed away. Everyone, I think, is going to become a tad anxious because yeah. they're going to start wondering, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. It was so beautiful and so wonderful. And now they're slowly distancing themselves. It's uh, yeah. And, yeah. the, and then the the anxious person on the other end starts going, do they not like me anymore? Yeah, like, totally. what's happening? And what's really happening for the anxious attachment person is they're questioning themselves, their self-esteem. Right. Anxiously attached people usually feel that they don't deserve love. And I think that um, <clears throat> they tend to be uh, the ones that have overcome abuse, uh, neglect, or emotional or physical abuse uh, growing up. And so they just they question their worthiness and whether or not um, they're worthy. So they go into that mindset when, when they feel somebody who was pursuing them, like you just said, mm-hmm. really hard and was like wooing them. I love that, that piece of information yeah. you shared. And then suddenly they just stop and you're like, wait, what? what, what's going on? So they go into their mindset, right? So now we're in the mind of the anxious attachment and they start to freak out basically and pursue right the avoidance yeah where'd you go what's going on do you still want me like what's happening um and so like i said this cycle this cycle or yeah we can fix we can we can fix oh that's right you know we discussed this a couple weeks ago with allowing and thank you how i 
said I was a fixer. <laughs> John's a fixer. I'm a fixer. John. So obviously, when someone's pulling away, we we're, we. Yeah. yeah. If if I can change myself a little right. bit, if I can lose some weight, if I can be a better partner, mm-hmm. if I can be more present and put more of my needs to the side. Again, the anxious uh, attachment, anxiously attached person, doesn't really feel they're worthy. So they are going to look to see how they can manipulate and change and sacrifice themselves for the needs of the other. And, and, I, and, and I'm sure everybody's gone. I'm sure everyone has been anxious at one point uh, in a relationship in, yeah. in their lives. I mean, and I could see by, I'll ask you this with, with your background. I mean, I'm sure there's been people that have been anxious with this and then they get hurt and then they probably flip it and perhaps become an avoidant yeah, because absolutely. of what happens. Yeah, and I think, like I was just saying, it can it can switch simultaneously mm-hmm. too throughout right. throughout the dance. We call it in uh, EFT, couples therapy, uh, emotionally focused therapy, the dance, the tango, right? And the tango that's happening um, between two people, it's such an alchemical, amazing interplay between two people. It's it's really it's always fascinated me, and so okay, so we we've kind of set the mindset for the anxious avo- anxious attachment and the avoidant attachment person. And <clears throat> I think what I just want to add to this is the way out of this pattern, right? Is to number one, get help. You definitely, and, and I, and you know, in the past I've said, you know, coaching and mm-hmm. I think more therapeutic, like a therapist that understands love addiction is actually its own theoretical orientation, like, like its own, its own thing in, in psychology, you know? Um, and yeah. So t- to find a way to work with that, to heal it is, is step one. And then step two is to really begin working on you from the inside out. Um, you know, you need to begin loving yourself differently, begin understanding what your needs are and learn how, how to identify yourself through different things other than somebody giving you the reflection you're looking for. And as far as the avoidance, you know, they, they have to do a lot of work on how to have boundaries. Cause I think avoidance, the reason they're, they're disappearing and they're, they're afraid of being engulfed is because they don't know how to say no. They don't know how to say what they're feeling or set boundaries. Um, I dated an avoidant, um, in the past and he was such an amazing guy but would not speak up as to what he really needed or how he how he felt and so it was this really interesting experiment for me to kind of dig into that and try to understand like what is going on in there is there anybody home in there so so yeah the avoidant has his or her own kind of set of things that they need to look at as well i think some of it too is sometimes with avoidance it could be as simple as they're afraid they're going to lose some of their independence, some of their mm-hmm. alone time, which is obviously something we all need and crave. And unless they really speak up and express how important that is to them, it's not something against their partner, mm-hmm. but they need that just because that's who they are. I think that is something that needs to be talked about. And that, you know, we're always talking about honesty and communication. Mm-hmm. I think obviously communication when it comes to these kind of dialogues are so important because I think it's, if, if the partner knows that they need to have some alone time, if they're aware of that, it's going to help that person not feel that insecurity, that, uh, that anxiousness, anxiousness to where they're going to start grasping and doubting and reaching and 
yeah. know, start making stuff up too in their minds about what could be going wrong. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's a really good point. And there's so much more there. I think mm-hmm. that those are some, some components on the surface and the underlying component of the avoidant is they are petrified of opening their hearts. They do not want to let anybody in because if they do, they will be, they will, they will lose themselves. They don't know how to have a me and a you. So um, yeah, it's, it's all pretty complex. So I I hope we broke it down well enough so you guys can recognize that. And, you know, at this point, we're going to go into a bit of what it looks like to have a more secure attachment. And um, I know somebody on our page, bless you for being brave to share. Um, the truth seekers on our page that are like us that want to understand the deeper interplay of things. Um, she asked, like, how do you build trust in a relationship? How do you find a more secure connection with somebody? And, you know, what I have to say to that, especially within this dance that we tend to do that's not healthy in this love addicted cycle, is to sit down and to try to talk about what's going on inside, you know, to be able to say, hey, like, I noticed that we have this nice flow going on and the flow shifted. So I just want to check in with you and see, you know, like if there's anything going on with you, because I know that I've felt it. Right. And to be able to speak to it in a way where you're not clinging and you're not freaking out. Right. So that's the key. So when we get into this um, secure attachment kind of thing, we have to have this very important component. And I talked about it last week in balancing the masculine and feminine mm-hmm. with it, and it's called self-regulation, okay? Mm-hmm. So self-regulation is when our body goes, oh, my God, what's happening? Chest is tight, stomach's in knots, energy's flowing through the body, and we know how to stop, tune in, and soothe that. So from a soothed, self-regulated place, we go back to our partner and we say, hey, this is what's happening for me. And hopefully on the other end, the person can say, wow, yeah, I, I, I can see that. And this is what's been going on for me. And so it becomes a conversation of discovery, yeah. right? Let's say that again, a conversation of discovery, okay, of what my needs are, what his needs are. And those are scary conversations. What our needs are, right? They are scary. They're very scary. Because you're revealing yourself right? Which to me is very, it puts us in a very vulnerable place. Mm -hmm. It's like, I'm starting to tell you about what my needs are and what's going on behind, you know, this, this wall, like, you know, in the wizard of Oz, when they finally find the wizard, they open the curtain. I always think of it that way. It's like, we build it up to be this big thing and there's, there's stuff going on behind the curtain, but we don't want to tell anybody what's happening there. It's like this big secret. Right. So when we start kind of letting somebody behind the curtain, you know, um, that's where the exhilaration begins to happen. Um, and that's where we start to feel more of a sense of connection. No, it's true. I mean, I, boy, <laughs> we're always, I'm always talking about communication, honestly, trust and all those things. And, you know, just over the past year in one of my relationships, it was a really good line of communication. But when things started to get a little more difficult, I could feel myself starting to avoid wanting to have that conversation, you know, what's going on, because I was afraid of what the answer was going to be. 
And it's crazy how you start this dynamic because you go from feeling really secure, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> which I was, I was incredibly secure yeah. to becoming really anxious. And, you know, I look back and it's, I'm, and avoid it and, and avoid it because yeah. you're avoiding what needs to be discussed. Yet you're having this, ang- it's like this, this crazy combination of the two that you're, that you're fighting. And it's, it's so simple when it comes down to, you just need to own it and just ask and have that open line of communication of why you're feeling this way. What is, what is creating this and, and not be afraid of what the response is going to be. So it becomes such a battle within yourself. I mean, I, I really, so we talked about the ways out, you know, seeing a therapist, I think a, a clinical therapist of some kind that, um, specializes in attachment and maybe some somatic therapy. Um, welcome. This is Forrest. <laughs> um, would be. He's an avoid it. He's. <laughs> and, um, and then the other is learning how to self-regulate and soothe. Yeah. And then the third one that, that I would say is recognizing as we stated earlier in this program is that all of these challenges come from your childhood. So you're going to have to go back and do some repair work. Right. Um, especially if there was abuse. Um, so that's more of a trauma kind of orientation that you'd need. So it's going to take some deep inner work. And the thing that, that I want you all to realize is that it can't be solved necessarily in the relationship without some help, you know, so there needs to be internal work done to resolve the wounds that are sitting there that are yours and yours alone. And then if you choose to work it through with that person that you were having, the kind of um, back and forth cycle that wasn't really working, you need to have guidance there too, okay? Mm-hmm. Because you're both having to look at your own wounds and hopefully doing your own individual therapy and then at some point going back into like a couple's model um, to try to change those patterns. They are changeable, but I'll tell you, if you don't do the internal work, I was telling John earlier, he was saying something to me and I said, you know, people, and I think men do this a lot where they're like, no, 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 no. I figured it out. I worked it out in here. And I'm like, no, 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 no. This is not enough. Just because we understand something, we have to go into the body. We have to feel the wounds that sit in the body in forms of somatic vocabulary, like the tight chest the heart that's hurting, you know, if you were to stop yourself when you're in one of your cycles, that's not working when you're in a dysfunctional relating cycle. And if you were to go into your body and scan it, I guarantee you'd see a tight chest, a tight stomach, heavy heart, all these different psychosomatic symptoms in the body that started when you were much younger. So like I said, they're in there already, but the current relating that you're doing is just drudging them up. So that would be um, definitely something to recognize and it can't be solved with the mind. Right. So do you want to comment on? No, I, I, I love the stuff that you bring up. And again, I, always, I said this a few weeks ago when she said, really take inventory and what your body's telling you, because it's so critical. Cause you know, I think we, we feel a certain way and we don't pay attention to it and it just becomes part of our daily. That's just how we feel. Maintenance, right? Yeah, it's just, oh, man, you know, it just feels tight. Uh, you know, I didn't get enough sleep. And we're not really taking the, the full inventory of why you're feeling that way. You know, really think about what's going on in my life. You know, what, what are some of the stressors? What are, 
Am I having relationship issues? Am I having trouble with my, my kids? I mean, it could be work-related. It could be, yeah. it could be so many different components that's causing this. But recognize it and be self-aware of it because we're always talking about self-awareness. This is the perfect example of being self-aware, just in more of a relationship type of setting. Yeah, and then do something about and it. do something about right? it, exactly. I mean, the body, the language of the body, all that discomfort that none of us want to feel, right, is a language to be deciphered. And I've said this many times. It's not to be discarded and pushed down. Right. It is something that needs to be tuned into. And it's almost like learning a new language. Like, what is my body telling me by having this tight chest? That's called intimacy with yourself. And if you don't have that, you're never going to have it with anybody else. Y'all have to hear that, okay? You're not because you have nothing to share. You can't go behind the curtain if you don't know what's behind there, right? If you don't know if, if your partner or friend talks to you in a way using a really intense tone, and if you don't know that that reminds you of a parent that was really harsh with you and makes you feel discarded, you can't articulate that. You're just going to be annoyed at that person and there's never going to be a resolution. So that's a huge piece here. Yeah, okay? I mean, it's a, instead of facing reality, most people do this. They disappear. He's hiding. I'm hiding. <laughs> He's being an avoidant. I'm being an avoidant. Is it scary? But I mean, I'm not anxious, man. I'm secure. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. Today. Today, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. God. Yeah. So, and and that's the other thing. We can we can flip in and out of these pieces depending on, as we said earlier in the show, if you're confident with who you are, what you're doing in your life, if you're doing your morning practice or not. Um, things like that. <clears throat> and realize that's normal. I, I would think that's fairly normal because there's days I there's days I feel secure. I'm I'm just in control. I got my shit going. When you say you're crushing it. I'm crushing it. And then there's going to be unfortunately some of those days that I'm just feeling really on edge, a little bit anxious. But you know, thanks to her, and honestly, by doing this show, um, I pay attention. I listen. Why am I feeling this way? What is really creating this? And when I'm feeling this way, I mean, I had a moment this weekend. <laughs> I'm not going to say it. I know. But I love was, you, man. Oh, uh, yeah. Shit. Oh, fuck it. I'll share it. I don't care. But because, hey, I'm a guy. But, but I'm in touch with my feminine side. But I've, been, I've had all this stuff built up in me because I've been going through some tough stuff. And, you know, she's been saying, you've got to let it out. You've got to let it out. <laughs> this is good. Good. What? Good. Okay. So, you know, here I am. I'm going through a breakup, and I'm watching Crazy Rich Asians on HBO I've Sunday never morning. Seen it. Uh, it was a cute love story, uh-huh. and it just brought up a lot of, you know, just emotions that I've had built up that I've been trying to get out, but just haven't been able to. And I have to say, did you let him out? I shed a tear. Right on. I now. cried a little bit. Right on. And it was. Uh, Right on. Yeah, it was good. I have to say. I, did you I, feel good after? I, like a release? I did feel a release. Good. I actually have to say I did feel a release. So you know what, guys? Awesome. Who's ever watching this right now? That's a man who can actually admit. Yeah. I hate to use this term, but I wept. Good. <laughs> good. Hey, the other day, I got in my car. So. I was I was like, I did my long morning practice. I had everything in, in line. I was heading to the gym. I was feeling amazing. And there was a Genesis song on the radio and I started bawling. It, well, you know, this, this I almost a- had to pull over actually, because it was so intense to go from being so dialed in and good to these emotions coming up. This, so this is the amazing thing. I'm, I'm 49 years old. I'm going to be 50 in a couple of months. And this is the first time in my life that I've ever 
that I can remember as an adult. Wow. Oh, my God. I know. That's pretty crazy. Sean. And I've been divorced twice. That's- <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't even cry. That's amazing. Okay. Yeah. Well, that was more relief. Well, I mean, the thing, the thing to recognize here is, you know, we're, we're kind of talking about ways to be in tune with your body mm-hmm. so that you can relate from a more secure attached place. Right. So mm-hmm. that's why we're talking about all these things right now. But um, yeah, I, I, I think this is a good place to kind of start wrapping up um, with people, unless there's anything else that you can think about. No, I think, share. I think by sharing that I just cried is probably a good place to stop. But see, there's a there's a courageousness in that. I uh, I, I want to just honor that, and and I want I want men to know that when you can show your emotions to your woman, mm-hmm. that she not only do we find that sexy, but we want to come toward you. So y'all need to know that. Okay? And, you know, and I wanted to share it because it, it yeah. happened. It yeah. was something that obviously I needed to do. And you know what, guys, if there's not any guys out there that are actually watching this or are going to listen to it, take the risk. If you're feeling it, let it go, man, because it does make you feel better. And it's, mm-hmm. I mean, we're human beings. We have these emotions. And just because we're a guy doesn't mean we can't share that kind of emotion. Yeah. And I think that it needs to be done consciously yeah. being a guy, right? You're not going to go to a bar with a bunch of dudes, <laughs> you know, like, and just start weeping and talking about her. I mean, maybe you will. Uh, yeah. That's very bold. But, um, you know, I, I keep thinking of that story of, of the guy that you saw who brought his, his bros down to Mexico and right. paid for everybody to go down and sat them down and said, Hey, I need to have more deep, conversations with you guys I need a different kind of support because my life looks great but it's not and I need you all to listen so yeah I think it's really important to have people we can reveal ourselves to and so yeah I, I think you know so we've taken you through um well let me jump okay. in on that real yeah. quick because it, it, to me just having this conversation like yeah. we're having right at this moment ties into what we talked about last week about yeah. masculine and feminine and it, it ties into you know, what kind of attachment we might have when it comes to relationships. Are we secure? Are we anxious? Are we an avoidant? And I think if we're lacking that masculine feminine combination of the two, mm-hmm. it's definitely going to fall into why we're a certain attachment type. Absolutely. For sure. I love so that. Yeah. I think it's really, that's, I think that's one reason why this, this show came next. Yeah. Cause and, it ties into that. And if you don't have that balance inside of you remember mm-hmm. like going in and listening is that feminine softer part right. is to listen to the body instead of discard it and then the masculine part of you is holding space for what's happening for you mm-hmm. even when it's uncomfortable and you don't want to be there there's this courageousness that holds and contains that's the internalization of that masculine feminine and i call it tending it's like tending to your body tending to you and so, again, that's the self-regulation piece that you need to cultivate in order to start breaking these kinds of attachment styles that are not serving you to find a more secure attachment style. So, so we started the show with talking about giving you some scenarios of, of things that I think we can all oh, yeah. relate to. Um, and then the, the anxious attachment person and the avoidance attachment person and what's happening in their mindset. And then kind of have a dance look and where we want to get to, which is secure attachment, Mm -hmm. right? And it's totally possible to get to. I want you all to know that just even if you had horrendous childhoods um, and attachment models, you can definitely heal and change 
the way that you're relating right here, right now, but it does take some work. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I want to share is if you are interested in working with me, ladies, um, I have a program that I am doing online. It's called Disarming the Guarded Heart. And it's going to definitely tend to a lot of the things we're talking about. So go ahead and um, you can find me on trustaftertrauma.com. Uh, there's a webinar. There's information. Feel free to look through. And if it resonates, reach out. And, so. Yeah, I'm going to jump on that because I just finished my website over the weekend. So I'm excited about that because I'm ready to start launching my one-on-one -on -one coaching. That's kind of what I specialize in is just sitting down with an individual and just mapping out where they're at in their life and what they want. So I'm really, with my background, I'm focusing on, you know, training with physical activity, nutrition, but more importantly, self-improvement. So combining mm. all three components, because that's my, that's my background and that's what I have experience in. So if you want to get more information from that, please go to <laughs> balancedbydesigncoaching.com and that's www. So check it out. Look at my website if you want to contact me directly. There's links in there to do so. So I just sold myself really well. That's one thing I hate. I hate talking about myself professionally. It's just one of those things. Well, you're getting through it. But I got to do it. So See, just like that's how we break our cycles, right? right. Well, thank you all for listening. Um, again, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us. Um, leave comments under the show. We really appreciate mm -hmm. um, you being here. And, you know, going on these journeys with us to kind of look at things right. that aren't really easy to look at. Um, and this is our mission, John and I, we are so passionate about empowering people and helping people to look at themselves um, from angles that they wouldn't have done before. And we're going to keep going. So um, we love all your feedback and we listen, we're listening to you. And um, the more you give us, the more we can meet what it is you guys need. So yeah, I just want to thank all the people that do send us, some feedback messages because it really does, you know, it, it reassures us that our passion project is doing the right thing because we want to touch the people that are out there listening to this and hopefully getting something out of this. And when we get little notes saying, Hey, we really appreciate you being so vulnerable and sharing the stories that you share and opening my eyes to some of these things, it just makes us really know we're doing the right thing. Yeah. So thank you guys. We can't tell you enough how much it means to us and we're going to keep going and please spread the word about us for anybody that you think we might uh, shed some light on. Yeah. Thanks so, again for listening. Have a great evening, everybody. Bye.